Hello and welcome to Knowing Me, Knowing You Who. We're here with um, a special PE edition today and we'll be joined by two very special guests, two writers for the YouHu platform, uh, our writers in the PE subject as well. Uh, we're joined today by Dr. Vicky Randall and Dr. Gerald Greggs. Hi, Jack. Good to see you. Hey, uh, you all right there, Jazz? Good afternoon. How are we? Not too bad, not too bad. It's a, a nice, nice sunny day in the northwest for a change. So we'll we'll take that. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got I've got my brick wall on, you see, just to kind of keep the rain out. That's what it is. <laughs> but so uh thank, thanks so much for taking the time out today. And um especially because we've got like a little bit of a PE special uh going on today. And what our focus for today's episode is really a bit of an introduction to teachers who are new to PE, but also teachers who are new to possibly leading the subject PE, um, especially with the new academic year coming around. Um, but before we go into that, um, what I'd really like for you both to do is just to share a little bit of your backgrounds, your passions, your route to primary PE. Um, are we all right to start with you, Jez? Sure, yeah. Um I have to say, I, I never was completely set from the beginning whether PE was where I was going to go. Um, primary education, I was pretty clear that's where I was going to go. Um, I could have gone down a range of things. I, I'm, I'm interested in so many. Uh, you only have to look at my academic background to, to see that I was kind of into education and politics and sociology and history, and I, I could have happily gone down a, a range of them. Um, but I trained at Edge Hill, teacher training, and decided on PE. Uh, and was kind of hooked really on the on the whole range of subjects. I, I love socio cultural aspects. I loved the the PE side of things. They were the things that really lit me up. Physiology quite liked. So did A level biology, psychology less so. Uh, quite liked a bit of biomechanics in places and and sort of what is now become data analysis and coding and those things. So it was a real a real mixed bag that I really but I really embraced the whole I suppose roundedness of it all. But I think that made me realize that um, everything in PE is kind of like quite holistic, really. And maybe that's what drew me to seeing that all these different rabbit holes all led back to the individual, whether it be the, the teacher or the learner. And um, when I when I uh, graduated from Edge Hill, I, I pretty much knew that higher ed might be where I went, but also as well as like the classroom as well. Got my first break, got a job down in Suffolk and got incredibly lucky. I, if you, those that that would know the PE kind of, um, those that have really given and led different roles over the years, I had um, five um, advisory teachers when I was in Suffolk when they were a thing, but they were some of like five of the most leading voices in, the, in, in, in national PE and they all were in the same county at the same time. Um, so like an example is, uh, John Mitchison, who was, uh, he was the lead advisor for Durham and he went out and to become the HMI for PE. He just happened to be one of my advisors, <laughs> uh, along with five others of, uh, four others, including him of an equal national capability that went on to really senior roles. And, and, and they were just available to me as a, as a primary practitioner in a school. And it was amazing to have that start, really. I, I couldn't have wished for better, let alone on top of my degree. Um, I think that just really set me up. Um, and it was more convinced than ever that I wanted to go into being like these people, delivering in front, mm -hmm. making an impact, developing young people, seeing whether I could do that in the school and schools that I was in. 
and then going on into teacher training and seeing if I could take that even more and make like a more of an, a, an impact kind of going up through the process. Um, and I suppose I've not really looked back from that really. And it was always what what's the next group I can make an impact on. So whether it be through teacher training when I started at, at Newman, uh, Birmingham University, and then went to Wolverhampton and then sort of developed my writing and go, oh, actually, no, I can write. I mean, to be fair, I, I fell into writing the books only on the basis that the book I wanted on my shelf wasn't there. Mm. And I actually went to speak to people and went, I, I need these, I need these chapters. And, and, and I spoke to other people and went, I need these chapters as well. It's like, well, why don't we all get together and write these things then? It's like, well, someone's got to bring it together. Well, it may as well be me then. Um, and, and, and it was purely out of necessity of being able to go to a book you needed on your shelf. And then when I was writing that, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I could have got loads more in there. And there was another chapter I needed, another chapter I needed. And I put all of that in my second book because it's like a, a companion of all the stuff that couldn't go in the first one. <laughs> and it just became this thing of like trying to make trying to make impacts trying to add knowledge trying to support people in their journeys uh mm. kind of really where it where it comes to and i think following without getting into and down through a whole cv history just following your instincts of mm. of, of those of those good things um i was a very senior professor in, in pe called ken green um who once said to me the most you can really guarantee is do good work with good people and be happy. And for me, that's been my compass. Um, and there's a reason why I'm sat here speaking to you and a reason why I've had the uh, joy of working with Vicky over recent years. And that's a nice segue that I pass back to her. Oh, how do I follow that, Jack? <laughs> no, you don't. You, don't. you stop it there, it's fine. <laughs> well, um, thanks, Jez. I think if you took um, everything Jez said at the start and gave the absolute opposite. I think you'd probably have a good starting point for where I was. I, I I didn't know what age phase I wanted to do, but I knew it was going to be PE. Um, so that that's a very different starting point for both of us to begin with. Um, always loved physical education, um, but hadn't really found my groove with it until upper high school, really. Um, where yeah, classic classic story of a fantastic teacher who just like just cared and you know put put effort into every every student who sh who wanted it and 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 enabled me to follow um an interest in sport actually I'm, I'm not massively very good at sport to be honest big disclosure but it, it enabled me to see how that power and influence could really enable me to still have a really love and passion for being for being active um so I knew I wanted to teach I knew I wanted it to be physical education so I went on to teach um to train um across four five key stages so it was a really unique teach training course at St Mary's at the time um where I learned everything from early years to teaching a level and sixth form um following that went into teach and focus on secondary um became a head of subject within a, a after a year of finishing my NQT year so a massive baptism of fire and at the same time was training to be a performance coach for England netball and and working with talented under sort of 16 14 squads um and it was really there where I started to kind of get really curious going how do we get here you know what is it we're doing um with children from a really young age and it just kept unraveling backwards so um 
just landing everything from early years and pre-formal education just really inspired me. And so I, I grabbed the opportunity, a bit like Jess said, grab those opportunities and moments to work with great people. And I, I had a fortuitous start to work at Roehampton University after I'd been teaching a while and um, worked with an incredible team at Roehampton who were um, really putting primary P on the map at that point alongside, you know, uh, wonderful Jez today and just starting to write, understand what primary physical education is about. And I think it was there I, I really got my apprenticeship going on teaching primary PE um, and I have stayed in teacher education for the last 15 years um, where I'm still learning. I'm still very much at that point of how to get my head around everything that we can know about the subject and support the subject um, and support teachers in the subject. Yeah. So, yeah, different starting points, Jez, but I think we've arrived at the same place, haven't we? Sorry, I've realised I've just changed, changed my microphone. Excuse me. Um, I think it just goes to show the power of positive people around you and those that can make an impact and have a passion. And it's hard, it's hard not to be around those people and be inspired by them and and, and ask questions and be curious and see where it goes. Sure. Yeah, because you you've both written um, uh, books together, haven't haven't you? Uh, uh, how, how many how many books have you written together? Now is it two, three, and then there is an is there another one coming as well? Well, technically, we, we've only written one together. Oh, right. We've been involved in other projects and, and articles and that we've written. So we've written a few papers together now on about our fifth or sixth writing project. But actually, mm. as a book, only only one. Um, um, but we have uh, we have a contract for a second one, um, mm. and uh, that's uh, that that's now been signed. Can we can we do the big reveal? <laughs> I, I think so. Why not? Let's go yeah. for it. Early plug. <laughs> so uh, so so this night time next year, when you're thinking, what shall I put in my Christmas stocking, Jack? You think <laughs> a little bit of light reading. Uh, you know, when you when you're sitting there post turkey, uh, then contemporary issues in primary physical education will be the with the new book that you'll be reaching for in in 2024 oh, wow. and that's what we have the contract to write and it's uh yeah just a double act not an edited text just the two of us um trying to put our thoughts down about what the major contemporary issues that face the profession as we speak it did start off as meant to be a small book um and now it's apparently <laughs> got to be a bigger book which probably will indicate how long we could spend on any of these topics at any one time but yeah it's because we it's because we plant seeds and they grow jack that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> i think well i think it's like a two for two in natural segues so you talk about the contemporary issues within within pe well right now what what are some of the issues that have like arisen over the oh, over the years of your experience in primary pe what what's really come up to flourish in terms of so an area that needs to be improved in primary PE. I think I think if I was I think Vicky already knows what I'm going to say because that's just kind of how it how it goes when we spent too long in each other's company probably. Um, if I go back to where I started in, in terms of a, a particular foundation that my career had, and it's not a foundation that current trainees have, and it's just trying to take you on the journey of what's happened and why. And I think you'll see the significant difference. So when I trained, uh, I exited in 96 into work. And at that point, we were on uh, government teacher training uh, orders that we were, that the teacher training institutions would train us on, which was referred to as a document called 498. 
um, and the amount of hours that we had a week, Jack. So I, I would have been a, a student doing primary education and I'd have been doing my PE and sport course. Um, I was doing the best part of 40 hours a week at uni, not, not eight hours, not 12, a mm. full week, not Monday to Friday. Now, the instructions were that you had to be not only trained across the board in primary education, but that you had to be trained to be a specialist in the area of which you were doing for your degree. And that was the area you were expected to lead and naturally go on to. So the contact and content hours were considerable over four years. Um, now, when you got into schools, as I, as I was in 96 in primary school, what came with that, in, so in a particular county in Suffolk, I've given you the example of, that I would, each subject would have a leader in school. There'd be someone who was the science leader or coordinator, someone for maths, but someone for history. You'd go down the list of curriculum subjects and PE was the one that I was recruited for. They wanted a PE subject leader new in to, to develop and, and grow. And, and that was the, the, the one that I got. But importantly, then each county had an advisor. They had a team of advisory teachers. So like, you know, maths would have four or five, science would have four or five, history would have four or five in each county. So the not only did you have a subject leader in school, not only did you have senior teachers around you, but you had the advisory system in your county. And if you wanted any reference points, there were many around you. And if you wanted others, you could go to other schools and get advice from other people. So the network was deep and knowledgeable and, and very wide and was, you know, your let your network and limits were however much limited you wanted to be, but your basic situation was really good. Hmm. What what happened in the in the millennium across this kind of 98 to 2000, 2001 period was a change in government orders. Um, and it changed what was called 498 into something you may know called qualifying to teach where people were awarded QTS in that, in that, on that award. But the significant change was the, the, the rules of educating teachers changed in that document. And that's, and the major change was that you were only required to produce generalist teachers. And if you were going to give them expertise, it either had to be in English, math, science, or down to English and maths, but it no longer had to be in all the other subjects. And where you then started to see a series of dominoes falling is then what happens from that instruction in 2001. Because, for example, uh, the reason we have you therefore don't need a three and four year course anymore is because you can do a one year PGCE, train someone on the minimum hours as a generalist and save three or four years worth of education money at each institution. And then you don't need the staff anymore so you can make them redundant as well. And uh, places that were uh, initially, I think the first wave went through with like, I think Westminster, which was the teaching arm of Oxford, Honiton, that was the teaching arm of Cambridge, Warwick University. They all went almost to one year courses overnight mm. uh, as opposed to three and four year courses. And, and then many others follow suit as a result of that. Then for the last 20 two years everybody entering the profession other than if you've then gone to do one of the more newly created specialist courses but most teachers going into primary school are therefore one year generalist qualified 
And even if they're not, they still have no obligation to have done a specialist. So anyone, then, if you kind of work the ages out, anyone under the age of 40 in a primary school is almost likely not to be a specialist in a subject area other than English and maths. And PE mm. is a good example of that. But then you also then didn't need the structure around it. So they then made all the advisors redundant because what were they advising anymore? They, you didn't need mm. it because the government said you didn't need to be trained in it. So you certainly didn't need to advise on it. Now, if you then start looking at all of that system that was around and then it was never, then it wasn't around, then where does your uh, lead in a primary school go? Well, the, the nearest, they've got two choices at this point. They either go to the nearest high school and then they, then, but you need to be careful that you don't believe that secondary PE is the same as primary PE because it's not. But if you believe that it is, then you're taking your direction from a very different beast and vehicle. And then when you had the sports colleges that came in for a little while, they had some responsibility for primary schools um, as well. But then when the coalition government came in in 2010, um, that was then disbanded. And so you, that even went away. Um, and what a lot of primary schools did at that point was twofold. They, they either panicked and went, we don't know what to do or kind of had to think about it and went, no, we, we can do this and we're quite secure in our learning and understanding and we'll, we'll build it. Um, but those that panicked uh, or those that were really unsure went to the closest person who was wearing sports kit because mm. that's the closest thing that looks like PE. And if you believe that sport and PE are the same thing, and that will be a whole multiple po podcast issue if we went down that line, but if you believe they're one and the same, then you think that's credible. If you realize they're completely different, you're in a whole other world of conversation. The The analogy that I've, I've made in on more than one occasion is it's like asking a travel agent to teach geography. It's like asking mm -hmm. a journalist to teach English. Are those school skills relevant and knowledge relevant in that space? Yes, they are. But what you're actually delivering and what you're trying to get across as learning and develop is entirely different. And that's the same with sport and PE. The 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 outcomes and the focuses are really quite different. Um, but if you put that on a whole line of trajectory, let's you know I haven't even touched about PPI PPA time and reduced marking and a whole world of responsibilities and the PE and sport premium coming in to fuel more coaches in schools, which has exacerbated this. But the reason it's exacerbated it is because there's been this void for over twenty years that by one document alone created a series of dominoes that meant it leached expertise out of primary schools for PE. And we are living in that landscape. It's almost like a wider education issue, isn't it? Where it's, it's not massive. just the PE experts that have been taken out. It's the history experts, the art experts, the DT Absolutely. experts. Absolutely. It's huge. And uh, like I, I feel, I feel that point as well because I'm I'm part of that generation of teachers where it's the one year teaching course, and then mm -hmm. you're going into an NQT, and then you're expected to lead a subject which you are not a specialist of. Mm -hmm. So when I when I went in, I was um uh, given the lead for art, dance, music, and creative design, whereas my background's always been very much liberal arts in terms of like history and English. Mm -hmm. 
but then uh, I feel that there's, that's happening for quite a lot of teachers now where it's almost like a subject tombola where they'll join yeah. a school and it's like, okay, I want to lead a subject. And it's like, well, these are the subjects left. And that responsibility is almost imposed on them rather than given to them. It's not a case of this is the best person to lead this subject. It's this is the person we have left to lead this subject. The big and risk, that- of course, Jack, as well, is that you're at the you're at the whim of the next circus that comes through town, the next mm. person that puts a leaflet through the door that goes, I can make all your problems go away. I know more about this than you do. And for this mm. fee, I will make it disappear. And if you are not secure or you have no awareness or you don't know where to go, so in some cases, I will grab the nearest solution. And And mm. the sad thing is, it might be the brightest and shiniest solution, but it might be the wrong one. And and the question is to anyone who's having to make that decision, how do you know? And and just probably to what separate, I agree, Jack. That's that the, the story that Jez has portrayed there is is has impacted many subjects. But what's been a bit of a perfect storm for, and I'll say primary physical education specifically is heightened political interest that is around those issues or societal issues that. PE can be looking to solve so you know health for example or when and the London Olympics that Jez and I have spoken about and written about numerous times around another key moment in our in our history where let's just throw lots of money funding interest and physical education is going to resolve um, and drive the next sporting Olympians or um, address our health crisis and then a pandemic hits and we see um, a wealth of health issues that then seep from physical to mental health and physical mm. health, physical education is there again so this is a very this has grown from a, a very key starting point as just said but but manifested and, and morphed for PE into something where we now have proliferation of uh, political interest across different government bodies education health social care culture media sport technology you also then have a, a workforce who's hugely diverse now um in in a in a study i did um in around 2016 i i i recorded from the sample i did across the country 60 different permutations of who teaches pe at any one time in one school in primary um, pe which is vast for that child in terms of continuity and and progress and then you've got money flooding the system, which opens the door to that who teaches to um, at, at the same time where that teacher's going, I don't know what to teach. My training and qualification didn't prepare me to come into this space. So it is we're there. We're, st- we're still there in it um, and we're living it now. And, and, and no wonder uh, subject leaders and teachers are navigating that in, in, quite, in quite tricky ways um, and, and a lot placed on them to do so. Yeah. And with those, it's like we've got this new generation of subject leaders where quite a few of them are trying to find that information for themselves, Where whether it is my podcast like these, whether it's blogs or looking at books or academic writing. Mm-hmm. But with those people who are probably new to subject leading PE or people who may be interested in one day leading PE as a subject, I mean, yeah. what would be the key pieces of advice that you could give them, given that unfortunately for them they've not had this wraparound um uh like community of uh advisors around them i mean what could they do to possibly improve their own 
uh, professional development. Yeah, Jess, can I jump in here? I, I, I'm yeah. really privileged to work on the ground with um, a network of subject leaders across Hampshire, which is the county I'm, I'm based in, um, mm. and and hearing this a lot. And, and uh, what I started out when we developed that network with the council was a whole range of things to really drive um, physical education and move it and transform it. Actually, what we realised is we needed to strip it back um, quite a lot for those subject leaders. We had people in that group who had just come out of teacher education, initial teacher education had been given that subject leader role to those that had been in a very long time, but were all still sort of navigating the subject. Um, and the advice I'd, I'd sort of say to them is, based on a point Jez made actually, their role has taken on physical education, of course, school sport, Okay, those two things have been there pretty much always for a subject leader. But now the importance of physical activity across the whole school um, and possibly with that a health remit. So subject leaders are now doing way more than just managing. I say just managing the beast of the curriculum. Um, there's expectations for cu curricular competitions, clubs, activities, whole school movement, meeting uh, physical activity guidelines for schools of 30 to 60 minutes a day. There's there's so much on their shoulders. So what I'd say is a, a really, I hope a useful piece of advice is it's, it's overwhelming to tackle all of that at once. Um, and a lot of that can come from a really good quality curriculum provision. So, look at what's happening in the school, spend some time observing, noticing what's going well and, and what's and what's being led well and motivated well and where are the gaps in your school and then focus on curriculum. Get the curriculum provision in place first and from that how can you build that from your foundations um, of, a, of curriculum first to where you then might branch to moving things into other aspects of that role from clubs, activities, competitions, physical activity, expectations. Um, because with curriculum in place, you can then sort of see the motivations, you can develop the competence, you can give children those skills, those knowledge to go on to do those wider things. So um, my advice would be to work out and firstly understand what is the difference between school sport, curriculum, PE and physical activity focus on the curriculum first, build the physical education in your setting, and then see what opportunities you can build and develop, but don't try and do it, um, you know, really focus and have it as a long-term goal to develop all of those things. Yeah, it's, Jess, it's you know, never, sorry. I was just going to say, I don't know if Jess has anything to add to that, but it, it seems like a mm. massive area to navigate all at once. I think, I think, I mean, in addition to that, you know, when any topic of of life, Jack, where we need to understand anything, I think getting multiple perspectives is I'm a big fan of wherever it comes from. Over time, you'll develop more trusted perspectives or things that you align with. So, for example, I mean, me and Vicky professionally faced exactly this issue. And, and one of our conclusions in our chats were that kind of resulted was no one's really written about subject leadership in primary PE for the like the last 20 years. Well, mm. someone should write that paper. So we did and, and gave direction. And, and maybe there'll be a way of, of maybe giving a link here or, or in the chat just to kind of give an example of of how you even tackle that, which which we did, you know, academically. And there's some I think there's some pretty good advice and, and, and guidance in there. And then I think the second thing is in, in all that I've just said and all that Vicky said, I think the most important thing 
is is locate your own voice because mm. there isn't a right or wrong but there is a place to stand mm. and so my question to anyone you know listening to this is where do you stand and why um i mean give you an example like a curriculum example and to yourself jack so you you were talking mm. before about um of being involved in in school so if i you know you said you've got had responsibility for certain thing so face mm. with the curriculum jack and i'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here so face <laughs> with the curriculum that says that for a long time athletics has been central to being taught in primary schools okay but it actually only said statutory that you had to deliver it in year three four five and six so my question to you is do you go well, statutory only exists in three, four, five, and six. So we won't actually teach any athletics of any description in any shape or form in reception year one and two because we don't have to. Or do you go, surely if you're building a foundation of good curricular work, we should have it that runs from the beginning when they walk in the door to when they leave and have some form of curriculum. So faced with that situation jack as an nqt walking in <laughs> your instincts tell you what is the answer to that question i'd say for for a brand new teacher walking in they would probably lean back on the curriculum and say well i'm going to follow the statutory advice um and especially with the time constraints of the curriculum i think most new teachers will be looking for any i don't want to say gaps but any areas where they could say but i can dedicate more time to my maths and english right. Now, now take one more step back again and mm. go pick your your subject that thing you're most passionate about in primary school and go so, in an ideal world do i do that from the beginning when they walk in to when they walk out the door <laughs> or not is is that a good idea just in principle i would say like for me it would be a case of yeah from from right from the beginning right to the end because I mean, I don't want to draw parallels to like something like maths, but if, say if you've got the Please maths um, objective with like calm right. addition, well, in order to meet that objective, you need the background of it. You need the various objectives from previous years, the building blocks of counting. So when on, you're then you know, faced with those two answers based on those two reasoned answers, which are both fine, mm. there is a there is a line somewhere in between them where mm. you will picture or put yourself on any given weekday school situation and role and Mike mm. all I ask is not to be victim to mm. well the rules just say that or mm. well my instincts are you should do this well why don't you do that then mm. you know at one point can you sit and challenge or even just ask a question why don't we do this mm. and if the answer is because there isn't time Okay, that, that's at least an answer and you understand what the main driver is. But but my question is, if that doesn't sit easily, it's trying to work out where you position your own instincts. I mean, I was faced with this myself and mm -hmm. I actually tried. I had to go and win the argument with the head teacher at the time and go, surely shouldn't all children do every aspect of PE and surely they should do every aspect from when they walk in to when they walk out like swim mm. what's the logic in going they swim 
in year one and two. They don't swim in year three and four. And then they swim in year five and six. Hmm. On what planet is that remotely progressive, intelligent and educational? And, and it's not. There's no way you can lose that argument when you lay it out correctly. Now, some people on this call will go, yeah, but they're not paying for that. Okay, that's mm. fine. If they're paying for four years in a row, well, at least it would be progressive if it was four years in a row rather than a two-year break in the middle. It's, <laughs> it's, it's trying to understand what you believe in and what I think is important yeah. that is worth fighting for that, I don't know, just sits comfortable with what you're trying to achieve. That for me, you know, if, if most people in my school could swim when they left, then it worked. Well, then in that respect, if you could only fund four years, maybe they maybe they swim three, four, five, and six. Maybe they swim one, two, three, and four. But they don't mm. swim one, two, have two years off, and then swim five, six. There is, that is no sense in the world in that. And that was just me going, that that's not right. And knowing, being clear of what I thought was important in trying to achieve good outcomes for the, for the peoples. And I think that that's going to be a common issue for any uh, any subject leader where having that confidence and being able to challenge their current curriculum and say, well, actually, I believe it should be this way different because particularly with foundation subjects, you'll get your lesser experienced teachers who um leaning back on schemes, leaning back on the curriculum, sure. who are probably, a, I don't want to say afraid, but not confident enough to challenge it and to give a, a solid alternative. Um, but it's it's a really interesting concept because you always hear the buzzwords, particularly in like articles, um, where they're trying to say, well, we want to teach more PE, but then they don't say what what kind of PE, what areas of PE, what skills are being developed in there. Is it just a case of they want to come in, see some more sport going on, or do they actually want to say that see that physical development? There's lots of we want to do this, but there's not enough. How do we do this? In my, and, in my and I'll take that back even further, Jack, and say we, we can talk a lot as subject leaders of being what we do and how we do it. Um, so mm. you can talk to your curriculum and go, right, children are going to do these activities and list them off. And how we do the activities is through this. There's not a lot of conversation about why we do them or why mm. we do them in this way or how the curriculum is progressed and mapped as it is. I mean, making a comparison, say, literacy and numeracy or maths and English, sorry, where we show coherence, progression in how a child develops their understanding of number and language. Um, the same has to has to happen in physical education for that child to reach a, a movement competency and understanding that progression and having that regular exposure um, in a way that's going to support them and enable them. So. Um, ask your why. Why are we doing it like this? Um, we might know our how and our what, um, but let's really understand why we why we have put things in place and, and what are these young people going to get from this experience? Um, Watch a game of rounders in key stage one. That's the, then that'll tell you everything you need to know about the why question. The year, year two <laughs> hockey lesson I was asked to, to teach once in primary school still haunts me to this day. <laughs> But these these are these are important points of reflection. And as Jess says, has said a lot, go on your instinct. If something doesn't feel right, if something's not looking right, if the behavior is not right, if the development's not right in the lesson, if teachers aren't engaging in the curriculum that you're providing as a subject leader, there is probably a reason why that there's no buy-in, there's um, no understanding of, of why it's important and its role. And, and, and a very good starting point for curriculum is let's just ask these questions and ask people's perspectives and ideas around why that might be. 
that kind of it links quite nicely to like the wow lessons that you've both created for uh, for you who because with those lessons and like with the other wow lessons in the other subjects they're not there to necessarily to give someone a scheme of saying right here's what you will do it's more giving an example of well this is our thinking of this lesson this is the why we're doing this lesson this is how we're implementing this lesson and really delving into the pedagogy behind it and i think in an ideal world those subject leaders would have that time to be able to look for these resources mm -hmm. and look and try out new things because i think a, a lot of subject leaders are sometimes afraid to get it wrong afraid to try new idea and then it's a failure whereas should be seeing it as well i'm trying to find the right fit for my school and mm. it's the same thing for subject leaders moving from one school to another you know just because you're a science lead in one school a doesn't mean science are going to be run the same way in school b and it'll be the same for pe the same for music That's right. science and it's, it's principles as well then jack as well because mm. it's like you know in any of your world or my world or vicky's world or, or anyone else's world who's, who's listening is that you know every every area and every year and every subject will have its vocabulary they'll have its language and you know it's one thing that we've we've been really careful of in our well lessons is like you know this is the language this is the vocabulary that goes with this lesson this mm. these are the words that we would like you to use these are the the words that we want your pupils to use and that is the language of this lesson and mm. we build on that on the next one and the next one we don't forget these words this is just like our, our, and we're putting this in the bank in the same way as in, in English, you don't stop using the words you used last year or the year before that, mm. but it's knowing what are the right words to use in the right context. And, and that's, it's, those principles are true in every subject, whether it be science or history or, or, or primary PE, you know, they're, they're, it's still true. And it's, it's trying to see and identify these principles and, and trying to equip, uh, teachers with these key principles that they can then make their own because as you say taking them off the shelf will never work no because it, it doesn't fit you know that you have you have a different group of pupils in front of you than you do than vicky does than they do yeah i think that's exactly why we built in for the platform for people to be able to edit on there to be able to yeah. go on and change and not take any 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 planning as gospel it's to try out change make it fit for you make it fit for your school and it's only only real trial and error where people can find what fits them best but That's um it. but it's it's one where I, i'm really excited about these these pu lessons coming out because you know the videos are fantastic and the and the materials themselves um it's something that's quite quite rare because i think for pe like we touched on it a little bit before where so quite a bit of the pe teaching has been offset to an external company and mm. it's then it's looking at that whole area of um how how upskilled are the teachers from that um external provider coming in and uh how how can they see that progression themselves rather than a pe covers coming while you're doing ppa because then they're not seeing any any pe going on um but and, i think <laughs> that, that could be a whole uh podcast uh, and I was going to say with the well lessons that what we really wanted to show was how you can bring that magic back. Um, yeah. When 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 you as the teacher can 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 really drive that subject leader can drive a curriculum. You have that hold of what's going on across your school. Um, 
you can really put into the links that can be made across the curriculum. You can really bring that to life um, and really drive that excitement and passion and motivation. And and what, what we try to do through the well lessons is not offer a prescriptive, you shouldn't have to do it this way, is here's some moments where you can bring some magic in and here's a structure for doing that. And you can mm. replace X with Y, but follow the structure and bring in that excitement, that passion, that interest of whatever makes your curriculum tick or makes your learners tick. Um, and, and that should work. And I say that editable, edit, edit tool, cool, that was a mouthful, editable tool will help <laughs> to, to, to make that work Ed, a lot edi more. Edible, did you say? I edible, editable, yeah. <laughs> and that, wouldn't that be great? Edit, edible math, edible maths and PE or edible English, lovely. Yeah, so we can, you can really see how that can build and, and really inspire. Whereas, you know, the external work is, it can be great. It can really complement and supplement a curriculum. But you kind of lose the control of what mm. magic you can bring in um, to those lessons when that takes place, I think. And I think what I want to do is finish really, really quickly with you were talking about the magic that can come in the lessons. What was your like favorite bit of magic that's come from, whether it's one of your PE lessons or a PE lesson that you've observed or one that you've seen? Is, it, is there anything that springs out to mind of a piece, like a magic piece of PE that you've seen? Oh, yeah, oh. Definitely. go on, Jess, you go first. <laughs> Taking me back down the uh, stelter well, here. So um, I said in my earlier piece that I, I worked in Suffolk, but I also worked in West Sussex for a couple of years. And the, the schools down there were mad on cricket. It was huge. But it was very a male, a very male-dominated structure. And with my philosophy of going, everyone should do everything right from, from reception right the way through, then, you know, uh, we were doing striking and fielding games and development onto it so i'm teaching at this point a year four class i think and the head teacher was kind of keen that we put some of the basic skills into the curriculum too and uh, he was quite keen that they learned overarm bowling even like at a young age but because overarm bowling is actually quite hard to coordinate the way that i would always teach it would be through dance because if you think about it, it's only certain footsteps and it's a, it's a dance sequence with what your feet are doing. You know, you're basically putting four forward, then you're turning one sideways, then you're stepping through. So there's a foot sequence that goes with it. And then there's an arm action that goes with the foot sequence. So in that respect, I mean, it's just a dance routine. So I would I would try and show the, 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 the pupils all the way through that there were different ways to, to, to teach things. And it was all about coordinating movement patterns because that's effectively what it is. But I had this one particular girl that just really grasped everything that I was saying. She just got it, whatever I was, you know, she tuned in somehow. And I remember one day doing this whole sequence and finally showing what the whole action would look like with very little expectation that they would be able to do like everything at this level, maybe one or two, and it would be a bit of work, but we'd probably go back to underarm bowling, you know. <laughs> anyway, on this one occasion, she comes up to me, she goes, Mr. Griggs, Mr. Griggs. She said, can I show you this? She said, I can only bowl fast and straight. Is this all right? And I went, show me. <laughs> Seriously. And so there's this nine-year-old girl off, off her, she's only just turned nine, and, and, and off a little jog run up, she, she ran up to where, where she was bowling from with a beautiful overarm action full tilt knocked over middle stump off 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 a rail. I went, Jess, can you do that again? And the answer was yes, she could as many times as you needed it to. <laughs> I was like, oh my world. Now just just to, I want to finish this one off slightly and, and rattle it forward. 
So two years, three, no, maybe three more years of primary PE with that individual um, where we're going to cricket competitions and she's opening the bowling for my school and there's only two girls in a tournament of over 400 and they're both in my team and they both are my opening bowlers, which is just hilarious in terms of the reaction I was getting from other schools and other teachers. But but Joss had to bowl this spell of, of a couple of overs against this lad who was deemed to be the next county like prodigy at 11. And mm. all he could do was defend her. And he even at the end, which was the coolest thing I ever saw, he raised his bat to her as in that was really well bowled. And you just go, wow, what a, what a moment to have witnessed. Mm. Um, and then I tried to encourage her to go to local cricket clubs and arranged but I never actually said, I used to say, oh, I'm sending some children on, you know, will they, what, can they come into your cricket club and learn? And then, of mm. course, I never said that they were girls ever because that <laughs> was always the, the punchline. But, but to see just that moment where that person just grasps everything and then mm. just runs with it, it was just the most incredible thing. It still stays with me. And the fact even now it, it's, it's exciting and it's, 25 years ago <laughs> I wonder what she's doing now yeah right. <laughs> I've got a, just a very quick one for me but it's a it's a something that always just makes me realize our purpose as a profession when I when I think of this um I had a student come up to me from primary school into our year seven cohort and the parents were going through a process of um suing the primary school because they'd removed her. She had cerebral palsy and they'd removed her from PE for the previous four years. And uh, she was desperate and to, to get involved and the parents were desperate and they'd say to me, let our daughter be a, a child. If she falls over, she falls over. If she, if she makes mistakes, she makes mistakes. We want her to live her life and all those ups and downs. Don't wrap her up in cotton wool. And, and, and so that, that was really a turning point for me in understanding that conversation with children. Anyway, she absolutely took that on and she was leading um, open events, open days for new primary school children coming in. She was, you know, some days she struggled. She she couldn't she couldn't engage or she wouldn't be able to participate how she wanted all the way through her school. But forward um, a number of years and one of her cohort comes to me at the university to start teacher training. And she said, did you realise she's running the marathon this year and I was like sorry what yeah she's she was told but that she couldn't do it on her own that she would need help so she's contacted the military and the, the army have put forward soldiers so it's going to take her seven days and she's going to do it but every day but she will be able to say she completed the London marathon this year and at that moment you don't often as a teacher get to hear the stories of later on down the line do you mm. and and but, but that moment, and I often think back to that moment in the room with some very upset parents and a, an afraid child who had not been given the opportunity um, to move. And I just think, yeah, OK, let's let's really get back to realisation why we're doing this. And uh, yeah, that was just a moment that wasn't at the at the time, but it's one that I was lucky enough to hear about later on down the line. Yeah, very cool. Fantastic. I think it's it's always a little bit gutting as a teacher, but sometimes you don't hear those stories down the line where that can yeah. be very, very easily missed, can't it? But then the impact of that, you know I mean, like especially on the on the teachers, because you know, as as we know with all with all teachers, you know, they'll work ridiculous hours and they'll yeah. do put every last 
last bit into whatever they can do. But then to see to see or hear about those results, it's always very uh, a rewarding moment, isn't it? Yeah, immensely. Yeah, and and that's not to say it was clearly. I'm not silly to think or naive to think it was just us in that school that enabled that. Mm. But it's those ripple effects, isn't it? It might have been the mm. starting point where someone said to her, "Yeah, this is for you. The door is open. Give this a try." And then what follows is what led to that. But 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 allowing that child to have a physical education is absolutely crucial. I think that's like the perfect point to end on. But I think some of the points raised, it's like a whole history of primary PE, some of its trials and tribulations. So there was a little bit of hope there at the end of how can we probably move it forward? And it's I think that main message is be brave in what you do and trust in what you do and you know, believe in your opinions, surround yourselves by the right people and uh, you know, just try out new things. I think yeah. <laughs> have I summarized that? And I think, yeah, to get that that chapter that you mentioned about the um the subject leader one, if we could get a link within this, I think that'd be incredibly valuable for anyone listening um as yeah. well. But no, thank you so much for your time today. And yeah. um thank you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to more podcasts as well. So if you're happy to have us back, we'd be happy to come, Jack. Amazing. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Cheers. Bye.